Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Cadabby, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 45th meeting of Spew to order. Lavender. Hello, Queerness. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Been a nice summer so far. Yeah, nothing crazy happened. Everything's nice and calm. We've been doing a lot of swimming, which is Abby's favorite thing in the entire world. I see. I hate it, but it's her favorite thing, so we've been doing a lot of it. I see. I've been teaching at a lot of rec centers, and so there's a lot of swimmers. <laughs> that chlorine smell just lingering in the air. And I've been working with lots of children, and they've all been mostly pretty quiet, and they just sit there and do what I say, and then they oh, leave. What? <laughs> Where are these mythical children? <laughs> They're artsy children. Ah, uh, ah, uh, okay, I see. <laughs> oh, we, we already did all the birthdays this month, last I know. <laughs> so I guess we'll get into it. What are we talking about this month? <sighs> Deathly Hallows. Part three. <laughs> yes, we're, we're doing chapters 21 through 30. So we're going to end just before the war begins. So <laughs> first chapter we're going to talk about is the tale of the three brothers, which I wasn't expecting to get anything from this chapter because I, I forgot that there's a lot of like random interjections throughout the story and not just the story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is true. <laughs> and so the first thing I got is, To be polite, he took a sip from his cup and almost gagged. <laughs> and to that I say, maybe Harry should have added some sugar, too. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, when they're, they're kind of talking about the Deathly Hallows, and the fact that they are not actually mentioned in the tale of the Three Brothers... He says, that is a children's tale told to amuse rather than to instruct. It's when uh, Xenophilius, is that how you say it? Xenophilus? Yeah. Phileus. Sure. Luna's dad <laughs> uh, says it to Hermione. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is a that's, a, that's an interesting point. Hermione, who has read every book, has never heard of this because of this. Well, first of all, she's reading from Tales of Beetle the Bard, which is, right. like they say, a children's storybook. And she's trying to look at it like it's a textbook. And she's looking for, like, a clear-cut definition of Deathly Hallows. But also, she's not, because she knows it's a fictional story, but, like, it doesn't mention it at all. And nothing else ever mentions it. That's like a conspiracy. But, like... You have to actually read those sites to n know about this nonsense. Because <laughs> the stuff, because conspiracy theories aren't in real textbooks. I think it's interesting that we find a lot of material for this when Luna's dad <laughs> is, you know, in the in the chapter. 
Because then we get this, and this is what I'm going back to, agreeing with Hermione. Well, how can that be real? Prove that it is not, said Xenophilius. Hermione looked outraged. Rightfully so. I think, is it unfair to say that Xenophilius is like <laughs> the editor-in-chief of Breitbart, almost? <laughs> like the equivalent of Breitbart in the wizarding world? He, he's not quite so hateful, but just as fake. He's very confusing, cause I, and I think Luna 100% believes everything that he prints, but I don't know if he necessarily does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very hard to tell. But then in this next chapter, Hermione has a very, not change of heart, but this is very much it. I hope they don't kill him. That's why I wanted the Death Eaters to see a glimpse of Harry before we left, so they knew Xenophilius hadn't been lying. See, that's the types of plans that I come up with. We put everyone in danger in order to hope that no one gets in danger. (laughs) (laughs) Spread it out evenly, and it'll all balance out in the end. To be honest with you, this is actually one of the chapters I start getting emotional in. Because Xenophilius is only doing all of this because he wants Luna back. Yeah. And I thought that this is interesting how Hermione 100% sense that this whole trip was useless and put them in danger and was a waste of time. But in this chapter, Harry like puts together everything. It's just one realization after the other and after another and after another and after another. And I do that sometimes. I'm not usually right, though. <laughs> yeah, Harry, like, I don't know, he really got swept up in all this. And it's not a bad thing he was just making all of the connections and to be fair they did make sense Mm -hmm. one thing i did notice like just this past time when i was reading this the author capitalizes the invisibility cloak she makes it proper yes i did notice that i have never i don't know 30 years noticed that i don't know if it's just this book because I only just noticed that in this book. Well, now I have to go back and see. Be, but it kind of makes sense. Like, now that they know that it is the invisibility the, cloak. Right. I don't know. It just threw me for a loop. I was like, wait a minute. Has it been like this all the time? And I like that this was a newspaper article that said, Rubius Hagrid, well-known gamekeeper at Hogwarts School, has narrowly escaped to rest within the grounds of Hogwarts, where he is rumored to have hosted a support Harry Potter party in his house. <laughs> Poor Hagrid. He's not the brightest, but... But we love him. <laughs> This chapter was honestly, like I already said, this chapter was already really sad for me. This is where it, where it kind of all starts to go downhill for me emotionally. Because, you know, like you said, Harry is having all of these realizations. And, you know, all of the pieces are fitting together. It's making sense. He's finally, he feels like he's finally getting somewhere on this, you know, mission. And then everything, just this quote exactly, all of his excitement, all of his hope and happiness were extinguished at a stroke. It was so sad. And then he's coming back into the tent after his realization. And he's, <laughs> Hermione and Ron are still just sitting there and he's like, didn't didn't they realize how far they had just come in this past few minutes? The ups and downs. It's sad. It, it's, it is very crazy how in this chapter, it, there's so much new positive information that comes so fast and then uh, they get caught yeah 
completely by Harry's fault. Yeah, but it was partly because he got a little excited and wasn't being careful because he got too excited. Too much serotonin, Harry. It can be a bad thing. And then when they get into Malfoy Manor, Draco seemed as scared of looking at Harry as Harry was of looking at him. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know how to feel about Draco in this book. He's so... I don't... Has, has he been punished? Is, I, I feel like there's something that happened to Draco beyond... Like what we something we didn't see between his last appearance and this one, based on what happened at the end of the last book. Mm, some because he yeah. it's a it, it's a very big character change that happens, and it doesn't feel like Draco anymore. Well, I feel like he's probably just he's seen some stuff, you know. <laughs> he's just seen some stuff now, and it's all kind of hitting him, and that's why he he keeps his back turned as much as he can, and he never really gives a definite answer like. It could be Hermione. It could be Ron. He's never like, yeah, definitely. That's the Weasley kid. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, he just absolutely refuses to help. I mean, to be fair, Draco really didn't sign up for it. He's a little turd, but I don't think he ever really wanted to be a Death Eater. He just wanted to be a bully. Mm. Jerk. And then I wrote down that Pettigrew was turning blue rhymes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. It just really made me laugh. <laughs> oh. I put, and the sound of her voice wound Harry's fear to an even higher pitch. Talking about Bellatrix. Yes. yes. I can understand. Some people's voice just really just takes the situation from, I don't want to do it, but I can manage to, oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> yes. Next chapter, The Wand Maker. Grief, it seemed, drove Voldemort out. Though Dumbledore, of course, would have said it was love. C'est l'amour. <laughs> I, I, I still have no idea at this point if Dumbledore was super wise or a moron. Both. I guess that's kind of the point, though. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can like morons. Did you know we've wanted elves to be freed for years? Ron fidgeted uncomfortably in the arm of Hermione's chair. <laughs> well, at least he had the good grace to know that that didn't really apply to him. Bless. <laughs> Hermione is very clueless that the others don't quite feel the same way. She's okay. very much like Hagrid in that sense. I don't know if she's necessarily clueless as much as she is just dragging them along anyways. She doesn't care. <laughs> she refuses to be alone in that endeavor. <laughs> um, and for some reason, this chapter just really <laughs> makes me realize that we really don't hear much about the goblins throughout Harry Potter. Like, and I know we don't really hear much about other magical races, but the goblins yeah. kind of play a big part throughout the history, and we don't really hear about them. And we only hear one point of view. And Harry Potter needs more goblin lore, is what I what but I say. it's also very much on purpose, because the whole point is that wizards don't hear goblin side of the story at all. Hermione's the only one that seems to know any goblin history, and... It's apparently wrong. It feels very late in the story, as yeah. I think the problem. But no, accurate in terms of how much 
uh, they would learn. You know, they wouldn't learn all this goblin lore. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Other than, like, from... Is it Bill? Who? Bill or History of Magic, maybe. Well, and that's Hermione knows some stuff from History of Magic, but it does not line up with Griphook's version of it. But Bill then kind of clarifies and helps see where that disjoint comes from. So Bill is like one of the few people that would actually be helpful in explaining the goblin lore. We just need more goblins. Yeah. You want a trivia question? Is it trivia time? I have decided it's trivia time. All right, sure. What fake name does Harry use when attending Bill and Fleur's wedding in disguise? Oh, can I get a multiple choice? Yes. <laughs> this is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. So what fake name does Harry use while attending Bill and Fleur's wedding? Your choices are Barney Weasley. Avery Weasley, Mason Granger, or Celian Granger? Barney Weasley. It is Barney Weasley. Those aren't great choices. <laughs> I'm glad I asked for multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's one, one of those questions that once you get the multiple choice, you, you probably get it. But if there was more Weasleys, you, you might have thrown you a bit more. Next chapter is Shell Cottage. <laughs> and the first note I have is, I don't remember hating Fleur this much the first time I read through the books. She's not quite likable. She is really annoying. She's hard to like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember the first time reading it thinking everyone was being really mean to her. But and now she's just really annoying. I really love how, um, well, I love slash hate <laughs> how Luna still doesn't believe the... The, 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 um, the Snumple, Snumple, Horcrack's horn. <laughs> yeah. That it was an eruptment horn. And Hermione's like, Luna, we told you, we saw your father's house blow up. And then she's like, it'll reform. <laughs> she's just like, no, <laughs> my daddy's right. <laughs> <sighs> and here's a, a bit of a conversation between... Griphook and Bill, where Griphook says, Made by goblins, I think. And paid for by wizards, said Bill quietly, and the goblin shot him a look that was both furtive and challenging. Hmm. And you gotta wonder, do these, did, like, are these two, like, old co-workers? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that they necessarily work, work together. directly together, but I'm sure they know each other or have at least past each other at some point. Right. They worked for the same company, for sure. <laughs> Harry could not help but remember how Hermione had dismissed his loathing of the Blackthorn Wand, insisting that he was imagining things when it did not work as well as his own. So this is now Hermione's trying to use Bellatrix's wand and it's not working very well for her. And it's kind of confirmed in this point that basically because they did not personally obtained this wand from the previous owner is the reason they aren't working for him very well. Mm -hmm. Harry was smart not to retort back to her, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't know why, but this cracks me up when, you know, Hermione has taken the Polyjuice potion. She's Bellatrix. Ron is this, you know, foreign friend that's come in to visit to see the new regime. <laughs> and Travers meets him and Travers extended two fingers. And shook Ron's hand as though frightened of dirtying himself. How do you do that? How do you extend two fingers for a handshake? I don't understand the physics there. 
What in the world? It's a rich people thing. Oh, that's why I don't understand it. Okay. I'm pretty positive this is a rich person thing. A filthy scum poor person. Don't want to touch him. Yuck. I also love how Harry doesn't even second guess hopping a ride on this dragon. Yeah, it makes sense to me. But it, I mean, yeah. But like, he literally doesn't even think about it. He's just like, all right, guys, come on. <laughs> come on. It's blind. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Poor dragon. Poor dragon. I know. He was ready to go. <laughs> Final hiding place. It had been a grave mistake to trust Bellatrix and Malfoy. Didn't their stupidity and carelessness prove it unwise to ever trust? Voldemort makes some dumb rash decisions. It feels like it should be out of character, but it isn't. What are you talking about? He, he... Was his mistake to give the Horcruxes to the Malfoys? Or Lestrange, whoever? It, he trusts people that he probably shouldn't trust because they've already kind of... He shouldn't have trusted anyone. <laughs> and he should know this by now. The fact that he ever trusts anyone seems out of character to me. Yeah. I see what you mean. I could, maybe if it was like just Bellatrix, but especially after, you know, Lucius never even came looking for him (laughs) (laughs) and got called out for it, like in the first, you know, huddle (laughs) that he called when he came back, he was like, you never even came looking for me. And he still kind of trusts him to do more, you know, do bigger things for the movement, and he never succeeds. Yeah, I see what you mean. Lucius is messed up. <laughs> also, I just want to point out that Bellatrix is either pregnant or just gave birth at this point. No. Moving on? <laughs> it is canon. Not canon? I'm not, no, no. <laughs> Please edit that out. Don't put that in this episode. That's disgusting. <laughs> Curse child is canon. Stupid. <laughs> This just made me think of you. We can't just go. We haven't got a plan. (laughs) You would be correct. Missing mirror. Brains like that, you could be a Death Eater's son. Haven't I just proved my Patronus is a goat? (laughs) Yeah. Well, why is Ron so bad at Patronuses? Because he was hungry. (laughs) Okay. That's. That sums it all up. Yeah, I guess. I guess that was his excuse last time, too. <laughs> Hunger. My brother Elvis wanted a lot of things, and people had a habit of getting hurt while he was carrying out his grand plans. You get away from this school, Potter, and out of the country if you can. Forget my brother and his clever schemes. He's gone where none of this can hurt him, and you don't owe him anything. Dang. <laughs> he, he, it's such a weird... The, the way the sentences twist mid-sentence from from his, his clever schemes can't hurt him anymore. It's it's it almost feels like he he's like bouncing back and forth on different sides of the argument, but he isn't. Does that make sense? It's it's not in a no. not in a direct way, but like a like a. It, it, problem is his schemes, but not what his schemes are trying to accomplish. He doesn't have a problem with the way he's going about them. Right. It's the way that he's going about them and not necessarily what he's trying to do that he has a problem with. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think any sane, logical adult now looking back on the Harry Potter saga could say the same. Yeah, no, the, the, the fact that they so adamantly refuse to let anyone else in on the Horcruxes is definitely detrimental to this quest. Yeah. If if certain other people 
new, then I feel like this could be over a lot faster. <laughs> well, it could be. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I love this. It could be over a lot faster, true. Or it could have, the, their mission, you know, could have gotten back to Voldemort a lot faster, too. Well, and then we get to a point where it does. And... But that's like this point, where we are now. Yeah. Voldemort has just learned about their mission, like, when they're meeting up with, um, with Aberforth. Right. But then, like, when they go into the Room of Requirement, and it becomes a, should we let them know so they can search the school faster? Well, Voldemort already knows, so... Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, you should let them know. <laughs> yeah, and McGonagall. Right. And then when the rest of the Order shows up, like... Now that he knows, now is the time to tell everyone so he can speed it up. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I agree. Also, I can't remember if I've told you this or not, but you know who the actor who plays Aberforth in the films is, right? Uh, um, um, I feel like we've talked about this before. I don't remember. I think we have. It's, uh, the King Beyond the Wall from Game of Thrones. Mm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm Mance Raider. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've watched that season, so... I think that's his name. Mance Raider. Ryder? Raider. Raider. Mm. Anyways, I just love that. You put beards on people, they become entirely different people. Oh, yeah. Beards are makeup for men, and I fully stand by that. (laughs) (laughs) Fred and George, who had been cracking jokes for the benefit of those nearest, fell silent, and all of them looked alert and excited. When when people are excited about something they're going to do, they start paying attention. (laughs) They've been waiting for this moment. Little Dumbledore's armies. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't have any notes. Like I said, this is a point where I, I, I was I was starting to lose it, <laughs> and the pages were looking cloudy, and I couldn't take notes. I'm a very emotional person, dear listeners, and I will cry every time I read these books. Always. So the final chapter we're going to be talking about is the sacking of Severus Snape, which I was not expecting. I was expecting as we get closer to the action that I would have less and less notes and less and less things to talk about. Yeah. But this chapter, there was a lot going on, and I really enjoyed this chapter. I've never stunned anyone except in the DA lesson, said Luna, sounding mildly interested. That was noisier than I thought it would be. (laughs) One, everything is noisier than you thought it would be when you're trying to be quiet in the middle of the night, but also... Like sneaking cookies? This very much sounds like something I would do. Where I'm just like, oh, I did something. How exciting. It was really loud. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Beneath the disbelief and anger, Harry heard a little strain of pride in her voice, and affection for Minerva McGonagall gushed up inside him. I love when we see the real McGonagall come out, and she's just like, oh, yay, we're going to war. Yeah, no, for sure. McGonagall is... Gotta be one of the best characters. I'll, everyone talks about this part in the movie and the line about how she's like always wanted to do that spell. I thought the way it was in the book was a lot better because there's she like summons every statue in the entire school and like goes full Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, I mean if you if you go through this chapter and you read like all of the magic. That McGonagall actually does, like... Oh, that, that fight with Snape? The first, yeah, in the hallway? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I wish they did that justice in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
This appearance of a second outlaw seemed to overwhelm Professor McGonagall, who staggered backward and fell into a nearby chair, clutching at the neck of her old tartan dressing gown. (laughs) I find it funny that Luna appearing is basically what throws McGonagall off. Not so much Harry (laughs) appearing, but Luna appearing is a bit too much. (laughs) Well... I guess Luna had gone, you know, like for the first half of the semester and then she went missing over over Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see that, I guess. Thinking that they're kidnapped by Death Eaters and don't know where they are and then all of a sudden, you know, here she comes with Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and the gang. Although, I have a question. How do they get back into the Room of Requirements? If the door is moving around the school... Do they get in the same way? You just have to know where the new location is? When does it move around the school? The, 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 the exit does. Oh. But there's only the one door, and it only started moving around when they started using it in this book. I don't know. Queerness, it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I get. So the Room of Requirement seems to have no actual lore behind it. Which makes it even more mysterious and weird. Because it just exists. Well, and it's kind of a scapegoat, honestly. Scapegoat isn't the right word, I don't think. But, like, the requirement, I don't know, it kind of fixes everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like time travel. It's one of those things. It fixes everything. Yeah. Well, time travel's kind of a bad example. Time travel doesn't fix everything. It definitely can make things worse. But, yes, it's definitely like a... One, why do they not use it more? And two, why does it... How? (laughs) Yeah. See, that could be a whole prequel series right there. The creation of the Room of Requirement. Mm, I wish we had prequels. Does um, Fantastic Beasts not count as prequels to you? No. No, they do not. Okay. Well, that brings me to the end of all we really have to talk about today. On the first of next month, we've got quite a bit of news to talk about. Not a lot, but stuff's starting to move again. <laughs> if you'd like to join our conversations, you can always send us a owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com. You can send us a howler by sending us a voice memo there, clicking the link in the description, or giving us a call at 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. We're at Spectrum People. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash spewcast. We're also on Instagram at spewpod and TikTok at spewcast. As always, we want to thank Joan Burr for our theme music. And until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am.